thank you so much for having me. You know, we were singing a moment ago about um, uh, the move of God is real. And uh, it just struck me that in actual fact, there is no revival that will not include the restoration of the hearts of the fathers to the children. Um, and so when John the baptizer was born, and there's a first word of prophecy describing his life, that particular text is used that comes out of the book of Malachi, where uh, in terms of just the dynamic that would be upon this, this great man of God would be that he would carry on a ministry that would restore the hearts of the fathers to the children. So I want to ask this morning, how many of you are perfect dads? Put your hands up. No perfect dads here. <laughs> well, my hand doesn't go up. It's simply just to let you know that, in fact, isn't it interesting how God would use imperfection to raise children in this world? And maybe that's the reason why the world is in a mess. And so I do feel that from time to time, we as dads need to make sure that we're relying on a force greater than ourselves. We're relying on a strength greater than ourselves because actually being a dad is overwhelming. Being a father is overwhelming. And so what I'm going to do this morning is just talk about two fathers who were in the same church. In fact, they went to the same conference and they heard the same speaker. The guest speaker's name was Jesus. In fact, nowhere else in the scripture do you find that after Jesus had given this message that the people said it was the best message that they'd ever heard in their lives. And so what I'm going to do is read from you, read to you from the book of Matthew chapter 7. I'm going to take it out of the message translation. Unfortunately, it's not going to come up behind me. But this is a word very specifically for dads this morning, for fathers. Um, I have three children of my own. I've been married for just going on 42 years. I have five grandchildren, so I do speak from experience. Um, <clears throat> all my children, by the grace of God, are serving God today passionately. And people often ask, you know, well, how did you get it right? <laughs> well, I'm not sure that actually we were that good for the simple reason that none of us as dads will claim to fame that we are the perfect fathers. And so I've needed to rely on something, someone much greater than myself to be able to lead and direct my family. And so this particular text does speak about two fathers. It speaks about two men who decided to build a house. One is described by Jesus as being foolish, and one is described by Jesus as being wise. And so why would you build a house if you didn't have a family? And so that's the context. So allow me a little bit of preacher's license. You probably heard about the house that was built upon the rock and the house that was built upon the sand. Well, this is a message that was described at the time as the best message that the people had ever heard. And so you've got two members of the same congregation, two fathers. They've got the same dream. They've got the same vision. They want to build a house. And so Jesus approaches the hearts of fathers with this message. He says, these words I speak to you. They are not incidental additions to your life. And so often we look at Scripture and we think, oh, that's just a, a good line to use. And it becomes a philosophy and it doesn't become theology. You see, philosophy is just a mental uh, accepting of truth, but theology is an understanding of God, and it's a grasping of it, something that you can depend on and base your life and your future on. And so here what we see is it opens up and it says the word of God, the word that Jesus speaks. Now, you need to understand one thing about Jesus is that there was a time where he went into the wilderness and he fasted. He was there for 40 days, and it says he came out of that experience under the power and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And then he gets into the temple and he opens up the book and he reads where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so for you and I as fathers, we cannot do our job 
without having an understanding of what the Word of God says to us about fathering. But we also cannot ignore the fact that what Jesus is saying here is that the words that he gives and he speaks are, can be foundational. But there is also the application of having the Spirit of God through the Word of God applied to our lives. And so it's both. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God before you and I can get a full revelation of what the Scripture is about and what God wants us to understand about foundations. And so he says, if you just listen to the Word of God, he says it's not just about homeowner improvements to your standard of living. It says they're foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. The rain poured down, the river flooded, the tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in the Bible studies that you attend and you don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on a sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They'd never heard a teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to the religious educators and teachers that they had listened to. And this was the best teaching they'd ever heard. A message to fathers. Why would you build a house if you didn't have a family? And so here you've got two guys. Go to the same conference. Jesus is the speaker. To build a house is like building a life. And so what I find interesting is that actually when you look through the scriptures, there's always reference made to family name. For example, you're going to get the house of Israel. You get the house of Judah. You get the house of Levi. You get the house of Benjamin. And so there was this emphasis on family lineage. And it was vital that actually your family lineage carried with it credibility. Because if it had credibility, well, then at least it proved something for you in your present day existence. And it gave you value. It gave you esteem. And so even today, those of you who come from the UK, you've got a very esteemed family called the House of Windsor, which is the royal family. And so this idea of family, you'll find it throughout the scriptures. You'll find that God always makes references to the family, the family of God. That's what the church is known as. We're known as the church, the called out ones, but we were also referred to as the family of God. To as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become sons and daughters of God. And so you and I, dads, in this place today, moms, please excuse us if we just talk about the dads today. We have a legitimate relationship with our Father. Isn't it interesting when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray? He says, we'll start off by saying, our Father. So you're acknowledging a Father. You're acknowledging someone. And then there's the content of the prayer. But the content of prayer is around our inabilities or our weaknesses. And so we find that actually we have to ask Him, provide our daily bread. We have to appeal to his strength so that you and I can live and be fulfilled in the life that we are. So that we can lead our families. So that we can build something. And so when we talk about just building a house, yes, reference can be made to the family. But what about building a marriage? What about building a business? What about building a community? What about building a country? What about building a culture? And so there are all of these things that we could take and we can bring into the scripture and say, oh my goodness, Jesus is actually saying there's a lot that we can do by building upon his word, but couple that word, remember the scriptures that we have, it says this of the scripture, it says that they were given by God inspired, inspired men to write. So this is a Holy Spirit inspired book. 
right? So there's no contradiction in it. It becomes unadulterated if God's involved. And so he's saying, if you listen to my words, these unadulterated, these perfect words, then you will find that there will be an equipping because by listening to them, you're actually giving attention to a higher source, a stronger source. And it becomes particularly helpful to us. And so we want families and we want marriages and we want these things to have a meaningful, solid structure. And so it comes down to this. The storms came. And it's interesting, the storms hit everyone. There's going to be a marriage storm. Fathers, there's going to be a family storm. It might be health. I remember just uh, when Bianca came along, she was very different to Starla. And you'll notice that with your kids. I mean, I'm just stating the obvious, but your kids have different personalities. And where Starla was perhaps just the more compliant, Bianca, on the other hand, suddenly we arrived and we just thought, where did this kid come from? Because she was totally different. You know, uh, Starla was very compliant. You could just look at her and uh, she would respond in a way of obedience. Not so with Bianca. And Nadine would say to her, no, don't, don't touch that. And she would just look at Nadine and go like this and just touch it, you know. And so we had this child. But when she got to the age of seven, we noticed that she was losing weight and she was having these night fevers. And, of course, it really became a struggle for us because um, we knew she was unwell. And she was really known as BP Energy because she was just this little energy bunny. I mean, just, you know. Never stops. And now suddenly she, we lived in a double-story house, and you'd see her sitting on the first landing, and she'd be playing with her Barbies, and she just didn't seem to have the energy. Well, we took her to several specialists, and eventually one of them said, actually, we think there's a problem with her lungs. And so after several x-rays, they said, there is a problem. Um, it looks like there is something that has grown in her left lung which was uh, quite concerning for us. And after several other tests that were done, eventually she was admitted for surgery. And it was in the surgery they discovered that her whole lung was infected and they needed to remove two of the lobes of one of the lungs. And the other lung had also got, began, began to get infection, infected. And so we found out then that she had tuberculosis. Of course, that's the biggest killer in Africa. And so you don't expect that, not coming from the household that we were in. But nevertheless, this is my child who was then going to be in intensive care. But during the surgical procedure, obviously parents are not allowed, and so we were at home, Nadine, on the piano playing and worshipping, and I was just on my face calling out to God. This was a storm that hit us from nowhere. It was very difficult at the time, where you look at your seven-year-old and you just see her. She weighed something like 19 kilograms at the age of seven, and you just realize, oh my goodness, as a dad, what do I do? I can't help other than just fall on my knees and appeal to something that is much higher than me, something that is much stronger than me, something that loves more than I do and cares more than I do, and so I had to draw from the strength of God. I had to take the scriptures, and Nadine and I had to worship together, and we had to come before God and say, God, this child was a promise to us. This child is a history maker. This child is, is, has got a life, a future, and we had to really cry out for her life. And I remember going to see her after the surgery, and um, she was on morphine, and she had these two pipes coming out of her, her lung. I mean, she really was just immobile. And sitting there looking at your child, and you just think, oh, God, this is terrible. She was in intensive care for the best part of maybe 10 days. Um, and uh, it was hard as a dad. Maybe you're in that same situation. Maybe you're watching online. Just during the prayer time this morning, I felt to say there's a man, Brian's your name, and you're watching online. And I feel you, it's like we've got all of the lights in here. 
But every one of these lights, to give us the benefit of what it is and why it is that they exist, is they need to be plugged in. And as a dad, you haven't been plugged in. And you need to get plugged in. Because I believe that you're a backslidden Christian. And you need to come back. You need to come back. You need to dial into church somewhere. Somewhere, wherever you're at. Somewhere. You need to dial in. And so as dads, we need to dial in continue. We need to make sure we're plugged in and switched on. It's no use just being plugged in and not switched on. We need to plug in. That's what Nadine and I were doing as parents. And as a dad, I was crying out for the life of my child. And I remember going one day, and, and one of the, the, Nadine was in business at the time, and, and one of her, her servicing agents had come to her and, and heard about Bianca's plight and uh, given her a little ragdoll. And I remember arriving there and looking at my daughter, who was just, you know, lifeless. And I took this little ragdoll, and I began to play puppet with it. You know, just trying to get a response from her. And eventually, she signaled to me. She said, just come a little closer. And she, was, she says, Dad, please, you're making me laugh. I want to say, oh, that was just like life to me, where I was like, shall I do some more of it? And she said, no, you're making me laugh. She was in so much pain, but I knew there was life there. Why is it, Dad? Because, you see, we want to have a good family. We want to have a good marriage. You want to have a good business. Well, then you've got to make sure that your foundations are in place. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. This is a message to dads. You want to build a house, dad? Well, of course, could have dads that are sitting in this meeting. Could have dads under the sound of my voice where God's actually saying to you, hey, just check your foundations. Are you building and are you drawing on someone that's greater than you? Are you listening to the word of God that's inspiring you and giving you solidarity? And so when we look at the storms will come, relational storms, marriage storms, health storms, ministry storms, economic storms. And when they come, they always have a negative impact. And so what I find interesting is that the question here is, is that you have these two men, two dads sitting in the same meeting, but their response is different. And so the question then is, what is the theological difference between wisdom and foolishness? Or as Jesus puts it, or as the message puts it, what does he call it? Wise wisdom and stupidity. It's wisdom and foolishness have nothing to do with your educational background. Often we think it is. It's got nothing to do with your intellectual prowess. It's got nothing to do with your race. None of that relates to what we see in the Bible as being the doctrine of wisdom. Listen to this. Biblical wisdom is the ability and the decision to apply spiritual truths to life's realities. What storm are you going through, Father? Is it a marriage storm? Is it a family storm? Has your kid got distracted? Have they wandered off into substance abuse? These are the realities of today. And so when I look at this and I see biblical wisdom is the ability to apply the and the decision to apply spiritual truths to life's realities, well, that's going to pull you into a space where you'll find yourself on a stepping stone that is strong and secure. <clears throat> they heard the same message. So I come down to this is that when we want to have deep foundations, we really have to get out the spade and we've got to dig deep, dads. We really do. You know, I grew up in Durban's beachfront. And uh, so for the period of time that I lived there, I watched as South Africa went through this massive economic boost. And I saw most of the hotels and, and apartment blocks built on Durban's beachfront. I went to a school called Addington School, so it necessitated that I walk to school, and I'd walk along that beachfront, and for the period that I was on the beachfront, there was buildings going up all along. And I want to tell you, before a building went up, there was months of work that went down first. 
And so that's really what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about fathers. If you want to build, there has to be a solid foundation. And so we want skyscraper marriages. We want skyscraper families. We want skyscraper businesses. But we're just going to build ourselves a little, a little rabbit hutch foundation. When God actually says to us, no, that's not what he wants. He wants us as dads to make sure that we're hearing the word of God, we're embracing the word of God, but also what we're doing is we're appealing to the strength of the wisdom and the presence of God as well. And so uh, I um, felt to, to share these scriptures that really come from Jesus' conversation when he has this with the disciples. And he says to them, you know, there's coming a time when I'm going to leave you. Of course, their response was, one of concern. They said, why would you do that, Jesus? And he said, well, in my father's house are many mansions. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And uh, then he goes on to describe. He says, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. He says, in fact, I'm going to be sending you someone who is going to be just like me. And this is the words that he used. I will ask the father and he will give you another comforter. He will give you another counselor. He will give you a helper. He will give you an intercessor. He will give you an advocate. He will give you a strengthener. He will give you a standby that he will remain with you forever. So you're not going to get a cheapened version of me. You're actually going to get exactly me. And so I've been all of these things to you. I've been your counselor. I've been your helper. I've been your intercessor. I've been your advocate. I've been your strengthener. You've appealed for me to strengthen you. He says, I'm going to do exactly the same because this comforter, this helper, is going to be exactly like me. And it's interesting that the words that are used for this word helper is the word that comes from Greek, which is the parakletos, which means intercessor, counselor, advocate, comforter, effectively someone called to be alongside to assist. Now, you have this other word which is called heteros, of a different kind. And so what I've got here is I've got a banana... And I've got an apple. And so clearly, you would describe these as fruit, correct? But they're different kinds of fruit. And so the word that would be applicable here would be the word heteros. They're different, but yet they come from the same category that we would describe as fruit. Then the word that's used in the scripture when he talks about alos, which is exactly the same kind. And so that's what Jesus was saying. He's simply saying this to the disciples. Just as you need a strengthener, just as you need a counselor, I'm not going to give you something of a different kind, but I'm going to give you something of the exact same kind. And so the comforting factor there is for fathers to know that, in fact, when we ask for help and we appeal for strength, what we're doing is we're looking into exactly... Because often we would say to ourselves, yeah, I wish Jesus was here in this COVID-19. I wish Jesus was here in my business. I wish Jesus was here in my ministry because I need help right now. And the response is, he is. Because he hasn't left us with a different kind of comfort, with a different kind of helper. He's left us with exactly the same kind. The Holy Spirit today is Jesus. He's able to represent the nature and the ministry of Jesus to you and I. He's able to be there for us to call upon him. When we feel burdened and we feel weighed down, we can lay our burdens upon someone who says, I understand I can give you what it is that you need. I love the expression called frapping. And frapping is a nautical term. But in fact, if you look at the word helper... And then you begin to see its origins. It's a nautical term, which simply would suggest that when a boat was going through a storm, and you'll read about this in the book of Acts, what they do is they pass chains and cables under the ship to hold it together, 
to wrap it around and to make it secure so they can weather the storm. And I find it interesting because actually that's the same word that the Holy Spirit is to you and I, is that he wants to frap our lives. Because yeah, we are as dads, and we want him to lead our families well. Like I said, we want him to build skyscraper families, skyscraper marriages. But we come into a situation like COVID, and all we find ourselves is backing off. And as Dan said earlier, sometimes vision leaks from us in these times of hardship. And so what we need to do is realize that the Holy Spirit is wanting to wrap his arms around us and just give us that comfort and that strength to go through the storms that you and I are enduring right now. I had a friend at school. He arrived from, from Johannesburg. I was at school in Durban High School at a very prestigious academic school called George Campbell. And uh, have you ever heard of Hilton College? Yeah, and well, you, George Campbell kind of. It's very different. <laughs> anyway, and we were center partners in the rugby side that we were playing in, and he was quite an aggressive guy. Um, and we just became mates, you know, he knew I was a surfer, and so he rocked up on the beach one day, and, uh, you know, it's one of those mates where you just want to hide your schoolmates because they don't really look like your surf mates, but he wanted to learn to surf, and so I obliged, and I took him out of my board, and the next thing he got aboard, we became mates, you know, but he was very much into racing motorcars, and so we had a hot rod stadium called Allen Ford Ra Racing Stadium there on the North Beach, and every Saturday night, there'd be a hot rod event. And he said, hey, why don't we go to hot rods? I had no interest, but I thought, I'll do that. Listen, great, let's go to hot rods. And <laughs> he, um, he had with him his little 10-year-old brother. Now, I knew that it was one of those arrangements that parents had just said, listen, you want to go to hot rods, you take your brother, you know. And so you had this little oak who was a real handbrake, you know. So we're sitting there, and the two of us are watching hot rods. But in front of us is a family. There's a dad, there's an older son, and there's a younger son. So now my mate's little brother is now sitting, and he's not really into this thing. He's quite a distraction himself. And I can see him and this little guy next to him are just kind of getting at each other. You can see they're niggling one another. And so every now and then I notice this. My mate's sitting here. I'm sitting there. The dad, older son, younger son, my mate's brother. Gee, and the next thing I see this little guy, all right, turn to my mate's brother. And in Afrikaans, which is a very guttural, very descriptive language, he said, I'm going to hurt you, all right? But you can imagine whatever went before that. I'm going to hurt you. So my mate reached down and just says this, well, I'm going to hurt you. Well, then the next thing, the other brother steps in and says, well, I'm going to hurt you. But then the father steps in and looks at them all and says, and then I'm going to hurt you. Well, immediately I moved because I wasn't going to hurt anyone right at that time. <laughs> But what had happened was, this little like that was causing the trouble, okay, he knew that he had backing. He knew that he could appeal to something that was way stronger than just him. You know, my dad's stronger than yours, and who are you anyway? And so I just watched this vibe go down, <laughs> which was almost uncomfortable for someone who's just sitting. But I want to tell you, that dad was a big free state farmer, and you didn't want to mess with him, that's for sure. But I do feel that's equally true for us as dads. We get into those moments of, can I call it just conflict, man? And we just realize we're not up for it. And so what do we have to do? We've got to somehow just appeal to someone that is greater than us. I was reading an account. It's a hunter story by A.C. Dixon. And um, he was out walking one day enjoying the English countryside when his tranquil surroundings were interrupted by the sound of hounds howling and barking. These excited canines were clearly on the scent of some forlorn or ill-fated fox or deer. 
And suddenly the foliage in front of him trembled and outsprang an exhausted fawn, clearly the victim of the chase. And he relates the story as follows. When the fawn ran in my direction and pushed its head between my legs, I lifted the little thing to my breast, swinging around and around. I fought off the dogs. I felt just then that all the dogs in the West could not and should not capture that fawn after its weakness had appealed to my strength. And so it is when the hounds of hell, of marriage destruction, of family breakup, of business decline, when those hounds surround us, it's not that we declare our weakness then, but it's about declaring where our strength lies. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. In my weakness, I appeal to his strength. You see, that's what biblical wisdom is. And Jesus is wanting us to see, dads, this morning, that we have the Holy Spirit, but we have his words. And biblical wisdom is the ability and the decision to apply spiritual truths to life's realities. Foolishness is the inability or the refusal to apply spiritual truths to life's realities. And the difference between the two fathers in the account of Matthew 7 was not the information that they were giving, receiving, but it was the application of what it was that they were hearing. This morning, fathers, I'm going to ask you to stand because Dan has prayed for you, and I just want to double up on that prayer, give you a double, double. Can you stand? Because I think in our standing, what we're doing is we're simply declaring our actual inability to father. You all said you're not perfect. And so what we are saying is, in our imperfections, there clearly would be weakness. But Father, what we're doing this morning is we're simply standing and we're, we want to put our trust and our faith in you. We want to be like the man who built on the solid rock. Because the storms of COVID-19 have come. Storms of economic depression globally have come. Marriage storms will come. Health storms will come. Family storms will come. But, Father, we don't often find an ability to lead in those moments. And we just realize how weak we are. And so right now we're looking and we're appealing to you right now. God, would you do that? Would you transform things, people online that are listening? Would you transform things for us? Would you turn things around about? Would you help us to get to that place of saying sorry? Firstly to you, that we might find our hearts being restored back to the children. That we would find our hearts just in a place of dependence upon you. Holy Spirit, would you come upon us for that wisdom we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. I want to give the fathers a round of applause. Could we do that?